Good evening. Thank you for choosing uh, the podcast. My name is Kevin Lee, and I am here with my co-host, J.R. Ferguson, and we are the I-Test. Ferg, how's it going today? Man, I'm doing well, Kev. Another great day. Great to be here. Absolutely. Another day in paradise, right? That's right. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started. As we started off our segment on the uh, last podcast, we're going to start with the Black History segment. Um, On our particular segment this week, we have who started Black History Month. Joe, you got any insight on who started Black History Month? Who started Black History Month? Um, I'm going to go with... Something's telling me W.E.B. Du Bois or Carter G. Woodson. Who you going with? I'm going to go with W.E.B. Du Bois. W.E.B. Du Bois. Not on this particular show. So it actually was Carter G. Woodson. Okay. All right. Carter G. Woodson was born December the 19th, 1875. And he started Black History Month in 1926. Um, he was a part of the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. They announced that the second week of February to be Negro History Week mm-hmm. back at, back then. Um, Black, Black History Month, excuse me, officially started January the 7th, 1970 on February the 28th. In 1976, became official for the first time that uh, Black History Month, and we've been doing that ever since then. Uh, Carter G. Woodson was a historian, an author, and a, jur- a journalist, journalist born to former slaves, and he started high school at 20 years old. He was the second African-American to earn a doctorate from Harvard. So a very educated man, started Black mm-hmm. History Month. He died of a heart attack in 1950 at the age of 74. Uh-huh. So... That's our Black History segment for this week. Carter G. Woodson was the first person to start Black History Month. All right. So moving on to our topics for today. Our first topic uh, for today is going to be, is Zion Williamson a bust? Tell me how you (laughs) feel about that, sir. Is Zion a bust? I mean, saying that he's a bust is a pretty strong strong uh, language there, saying he's, he's a bust. But... We all know his struggles right now. Um, he's hurt, obviously. Uh, he was hurt, I think, toward the end of last season. Zion, I mean, if you've seen him on TV at all, I mean, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's ballooned up. Um, I think I read somewhere where he's like 317 pounds. Now, I, you know, I, this is personal to me because I'm, I'm a person that struggles with my weight. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I understand the struggle. I mean, he's down there and... Uh, New Orleans with all that uh, crawfish and po' boy, yeah, Creole po' boy sandwiches. And, I mean, but you know, as a professional athlete, I I want to see him getting better shape. I want to see him getting not only better shape, but uh, you know, healthy. And I think his health is directly tied into carrying too much weight. Now, I've mm-hmm. I've played basketball, you know, most of my adult life probably slightly or morbidly overweight. <laughs> so it is very, if anybody that plays and, you know, you're a big guy, it's very difficult to do. It's especially hard on your, your feet, your legs, 
uh, your knees. Mm-hmm. Did so, you have issues with your feet, legs, and knees? No, but I, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete either. But right, no. you know, but somebody that's taking a pound and and I, I kind of played below the rim at that point too. This yeah. is a guy that's still playing above the rim, um, has you know tremendous leaping ability. So, uh, you know, that pounding on his knees, you know, he's going to have to get down to, um, I think a good playing weight for him would be about 265, 270. I think if he can get to 265, uh, 270 at the most, I mean, ideally, if he can get to about 255, 260, I think he would be dominant as a player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not ready to say he's a bust, though, Kev. Um I will say that um, you know you start you're in what year three now, mm-hmm. and you're starting to look like you know you're looking at the trajectory of the number two pick, John Morant, where they're talking about him being an MVP candidate right now. So um, I, I know Zion is hearing the whispers and hearing the talks, and uh, hopefully he'll respond. And just as a a side note, Charles Barkley, at his highest weight, I think he came into the league just over 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are two guys that are often compared to each other. Similar body build. Um, but that's a little bit bigger than Barkley was. A little, a little bit taller, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Barkley was listed as 6'6", but we know that he was probably more like 6'4 six, four and four, a half, 6'5". Yeah. So, um, still, I mean... Even with that, three hundred seventeen pounds—that's what they're listing him as. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just a quick story, and I'm, I'm gonna give it back to you. But Shaq made mention of something on uh, TNT a while back. He said he was listed at three forty-five when he played for the Lakers mm-hmm. in his last last championship run with the Lakers, the third championship. He said he actually weighed three hundred ninety-five pounds. So the weight that they list you at a lot of times is not the weight that you actually are. Uh, and I know this from playing basketball in high school and college. They always try to boost your stats up. If you were 6'1", they was going to say, yeah, he's 6'4". Right. And if you were 6'4", they was going to say you were 6'6". So you, I think, was, you think they could have said I was six feet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they probably would. I mean, nah, so uh, nah, I, I mean, got away with that. I played with a guy named uh, Brian Gunn. Brian Gunn was uh, probably 5'8", five, 5'9", five, at best. And they always listed him as six feet. I think BG like 5'10". Nah, no way. He's, he's a little bit taller than me. Nah, y'all probably about the same height. Nah, nah, he's definitely taller than me. Nah, Brian, Brian was probably 5'9", at best. But they, you know, they gave him them three inches. Yeah. So, I mean, but he played big. Yep. So, so what do you think about Zion's? Bust is he? Is he a bust? Do you think he's a bust? I feel like he is trending ever closer to bust status. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. It, obviously, he's always overweight and out of shape. Mm-hmm. Every season, this issues about him. Well, his first three seasons been an issue at some point with his weight being out of shape. Some of that is due to you know him being injured constantly and probably you know not being able to practice and not being able to condition like he should but it kind of all goes together being out of shape being overweight bad conditioning injuries when he does come back and try to work his way back into shape I think it all kind of plays together 
I'm going to tell you something that I seen the other day that was uh, a telltale sign for me. And maybe I looked at it from the wrong perspective, but I seen the commercial the other day. It was uh, him and I think it was Zach Levine mm-hmm. on the commercial that's sitting on the sitting on the couch doing a Mountain Dew commercial. I think it was Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it from if I'm the coach of the New Orleans Pelicans or if I'm the owner of the New Orleans Pelicans, I've got my number one drafted NBA superstar mm-hmm. that's been often hurt, often out of shape. And to look at a commercial where he's sitting on the couch and he looks like he's about 400 pounds, <laughs> drinking a Mountain Dew and eating Doritos, it just wasn't a good look for me. Yeah. When I seen it, I was like, wow, they allowed that? That just doesn't look good. Especially from somebody that's had so many issues. And I understand if he's out hurt, but I don't know, man. It just it just wasn't a good look for me. It's kind of about as bad as Baker Mayfield in the NFL, always on TV doing State Farm commercials and then go out there and stink it up every right. game you play. It's like, where is your focus at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'm looking at that from the wrong perspective. But when I seen that commercial, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that don't look good. It didn't look good to me, and I could be wrong. My my personal opinion, but well, uh, he definitely needs to get in shape. Yeah. He de- he definitely needs to get in shape, and you know, being a professional athlete, you're making a lot of money. So part of that is to you know they say that LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on his body. Now, of course, mm-hmm. Zion Williamson doesn't have LeBron James money yet, but I mean, he's trending that way. I mean, he could be that type of player. So. Um, he needs to spend some money and some energy on getting his body healthy and in basketball shape. I mean, like his, if he has a chef or a personal trainer, you think they endorse him to drink Mountain Dews and eat Doritos? Even if it's for a nah, commercial, but, but that's the considering great. that he looks like he's very much overweight right now. Just not a good look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, but again, you're looking at somebody that's struggled, you know, tried to play sports and struggled with his weight most of his adult life. So, so. do we glorify that he struggled with his weight and seeing what he does in the off seasons, eat Doritos and drink Mountain Dews and eat Twinkies well, that's and a, cheeseburgers? That's a commercial, Kev. I mean, right. that man tried to make money while he ain't playing. So, I, to me, that's a commercial. But if he was 260 eating Doritos and a Mountain Dew, it probably would have looked a little better. Man, but not I, probably I seen, 400 pounds, it just didn't look good to me. Did you actually see the commercial? Yeah, I, I, I saw it. I saw it. I've seen it several times. But at the same time, I, I'm optimistic about this guy. I think he's hearing the chatter. I think he's hearing, you know, these people question his work ethic. He's hearing the people question his his game, his health, uh, of course, his body. And I think he's going to answer the bell. But um, now the optics are not good of that him making that kind of commercial. I mean, but what kind of commercial do we want him to make? Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers commercial? I mean, Yeah, that's what he needs to be making. Nah. <laughs> Considering what he looked like to I, me. But. I don't think that's realistic. But So uh, is he done for the year? Have they officially announced that he's done for the season? I mean, I don't think they've announced that. But um, Okay, if he's not done for the season, he's not going to be able to play this year. By looking at that, unless he lose like 100 pounds before he gets back to the game. <laughs> well, what's making it bad? I think what's making this season um, especially bad for him is that Ja is playing so well. 
I mean, because you look at the contrast. You look at yeah. Ja setting the league on fire. You know, they're talking about him being, you know, third, fourth, fifth MVP candidate. You know, taking his young Memphis team to top four record in the Western Conference or top three. And you got the Pelicans sitting, you know, toward the bottom of the Western Conference mm-hmm. and Zion's not playing. And when you see him over there on the bench, yeah, he does look a little overweight. So um, that's something that he's definitely going to have to address uh, sooner rather than later. I mean, I wouldn't wait till the off season. I mean, it's only about thirty some games left in this season. So, uh, do you ro- do, probably a lot. Yeah, do you roll him out there now and let him get hurt again? So, um, I, I really look for him to come in next season. I'm, I'm I'm saying this on air live right now. I guarantee you he will come in next season between. 260 and 270, 270 pounds. That's what I'm, I'm – and I think he's going to be dominant because he has a lot to prove. Now he has to prove that he deserved to be the number one pick and that he can put his imprint, his DNA um, on that Pelican franchise. Okay, last question. If he comes back next year, as you predict, mm-hmm. 260, 265 – he doesn't have a good year, or if he gets hurt again, God forbid, mm-hmm. do the Pelicans move on? I mean, he's still talking about a young young guy, man. He's 21, 22 years old. I mean, he still has a lot of basketball to play before he even gets to his prom. So, no, I don't think they move on. Not from a talent like that. I, th- I do think he's a generational talent. Um, I think he's very uh, charismatic. And that's something they need, and especially a small market like New Orleans. So mm-hmm. I, I really think that they're not going to move on from him unless he just comes in and demands a trade. Now, what last last season they reportedly was not very happy with the Pelicans, and they were talking about some potential move to the Knicks. Do you think it's any any smoke with that? Now nah, he he wouldn't want to play for Tom Thibodeau. Because no. he, he would have to get to 240. <laughs> 230. So, nah. Yeah. He, he, I don't think that's where he would want to go, ideally. Uh-huh. So, Okay. All right. So, um, we're going to move on from that topic, sir. The next topic on hand is going to be James Harden trade for Ben Simmons. Is it something that the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia should look into? Or you think it's just a lot of talk? All right. Right now, it's talk. Uh, I think it's a very interesting conversation to have. I think it's plausible. I mean, I could see it happening, but right now, yeah, it is just talk. In fact, I heard uh, Steve Nash talking about it earlier. Uh, He's insisting that James Harden isn't going anywhere, that James Harden doesn't want to go anywhere. But, look, we've we've seen this story before with James Harden. Every Mm -hmm. team that he's been on, um, even going back to Houston, you know, he, he, he does this. This is what he does when he wants to force his hand and force his way out mm-hmm. or force somebody else out because he didn't like playing with Chris Paul. So they had to get rid of Chris Paul, and they brought in Westbrook. He didn't particularly like playing with Westbrook. So he forced his way out of Houston, um, you know, kind of publicly last year. It was a big ordeal, and he ended up with Brooklyn where he wanted to be. He wanted to team up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now – this hasn't worked out. He probably doesn't like how Kyrie is being catered. I, to me, James Harden is a very 
I don't want to call him a selfish player, but he's a very self-centered player. Mm-hmm. He thinks that everything should revolve around him. He's one of those guys. I remember reports back with uh, Houston, and I think Russell Westbrook was even turned off by this, that he would be late to games and late. You know, the team playing would have to wait on him to arrive. And so he's one of those type of guys. So he mm-hmm. thinks that he's the center of the organization. Superstar. Yeah. I mean, some guys play with the superstar mentality and that kind of arrogance. Well, he has that arrogance off the court. So he's not a team-oriented guy. And that's crazy to say with Kyrie on your team who's only playing on the road. I mean, I get get his frustration. I understand why he's – why he would want to go elsewhere. But, you know, at the same time, you're starting to set a trend, a pattern. That's not a good pattern. And if I'm Philadelphia, you have to look at his track record. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a team killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say that. He's, he's a tremendous talent. I don't know, you know, where he stands at this point in his career, but he's a tremendous talent, but he's a team killer. Um, those Houston teams, his lack of leadership is why they didn't have a championship. Mm-hmm. Even Chris Paul goes out in game seven versus Golden State. You are the superstar. I mean, you take over the game, and you should uh, lead them to that game at home. Well, I think they were – no, they were actually on the road. But still, I mean, you – this is your team. That's what you're supposed to do. So, um, what do I think will happen? I think there will be a trade. Mm -hmm. You think it's going to be for Ben Simmons? I think there will be a trade. I, I I can't really say for sure whether it'll be for Ben Simmons, but um, I think they will move James Harden. And if they don't move him before the trade deadline, they will definitely move him in the offseason. Yeah. So I think it's it's imminent that uh, it's inevitable that he's going to move on from Brooklyn. I mean, Daryl Morey has been very emphatic publicly that they're not going to trade Ben Simmons. We've talked about this before on the show and off the off the air that um I don't I don't see why you wouldn't trade him. I think they should have traded him in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Clearly he didn't want to play there. I don't know why you even bring him back into this season with the same issues. I, I feel like they should have moved off him last year at the end of the season. To not trade him now, I just I just don't I don't understand. Well, I think his gamesmanship from Daryl Moore. I mean, he's pretty, um, pretty sly front office executive. So, I mean, I think he has some up his sleeve. And you, I, at this point, are you even going to get get market value for Ben Simmons or wherever you trade him to? I think if they can pull the trigger, if they can pull the trigger for him for James Harden, oh yeah, I think that that trade benefits both teams. No, absolutely. I think it, it definitely would benefit both teams. And and for those of you out there that d- don't think that um, Ben Simmons is a is at least a all star caliber player in this league, I would have you go look up um, Isaiah Thomas. I think was talking to maybe he was talking to Shaquille O'Neal. Can't remember exactly who he was talking to, but he gave the formula for Ben Simmons to become. Just a just a great player. He said, you know, one thing about Magic Johnson, the year that they lost to the Celtics, you know, Magic Johnson, he said the whole offseason, Magic Johnson worked on his free throws. Mm-hmm. And he said they would be playing one-on-one. And he said, man, no, nah, I'm just shooting free throws. Because Magic understood 
that if I make 85% from the – I'm going to get to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. I just got to make free throws. Mm-hmm. If Ben Simmons can can improve his free throw percentage from 55% to maybe 75%, you're talking about five, six more points a game right there. Yeah. So that's one thing. You make free throws and, and shoot the ball. Whether you make it or not, shoot the ball because shoot the ball with confidence and teams will have to play you honest. And yeah. from the clips that I've seen, he's been shooting the ball and, um, of course, he's playing against some Rudy Poos in the gym, but, I mean, he's still shooting the ball and, and knocking down some jumpers. So maybe that'll translate to his game in the NBA. Okay. Guess we'll see. February February 10th is the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh We'll see what's going to happen. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they're going to trade Ben Simmons. I think they pretty much said they're not going to trade Ben Simmons. James Harden, we'll see if they find a team to... Uh, to uh, well, I, I think... Well, uh, let me say this. I think if James Harden doesn't go to Philadelphia, they won't pull the trigger on that trade. That's the only thing that that's Yeah. Trip. I don't think they're going to send him anywhere else. I think that, you know, if, if Daryl Morey offers Ben Simmons for... James Harden. I think they're going to pull both teams to pull the trigger on that trade. Okay. Well, we will definitely see you in the next couple of days. Uh, moving on to our next topic. Will Kevin Durant win another title with the Brooklyn? <laughs> man, I love KD, man. I love KD because he's just a he's just a hooper mm-hmm. by nature. When he comes to the gym, I mean, he looked like he going to the YMCA to hoop. He got his gym bag. His, right. You know, is no, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he'll win another championship. And the reason for that, not in Brooklyn or not at not all? at all. Uh, now, the reason for that, um, one thing people have to understand about the Achilles injury: mm-hmm. when you have an Achilles injury and you are a primary scorer, you're a dominant scorer. I think he can still be a dominant scorer in this league, mm-hmm. but it starts to affect other parts. You start to overcompensate to other parts of your body. So mm-hmm. you start to see the knee injuries. Yep. You know, you saw that with, uh, well, you saw kind of the inverse with Clay Thompson. He had the knee injury and then he had the Achilles. So these yep. things are all tied into each other. I-, I think he's injury prone. We saw that last year that, you know, he can only play about 60 to 70% of the games. In order for him to lead a team to a championship, now, yeah, now he can go join a team and win a championship just like anybody else. Yeah. But for him to be the best player on the team and win a championship, I think, and man, if he ever hears this, uh, I'll probably never get him for an interview on him, but I think those days are done for KD. Mm. What is he now? What year is he in now? I don't know what year, but I think he's about 32, 33 years old. Okay. So, he's 10, 11, 12, something like that. Yeah, I would say 13, 14. Yeah, he's been around for a minute. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's going to win another one, even um, not as the best player, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. Going and playing with another team, possibly, maybe. It looks like they're, you know, this this experiment in Brooklyn is, is going to come to an end, whether it be at the trade deadline or next season. I don't think that James Harden will be around much longer either way. Um, well, I, I'm going to tell you something that struck me early on in the season. When they had an early game against, um, I think it was Golden State, and the fans in Brooklyn were cheering 
They were chanting MVP for Steph Curry. I mean, that's got to that's got to hurt. Yeah, that's got to mess with um, Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, he left Steph Curry, yeah. who was the ultimate teammate that you would want to play with. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's, you know, willing to take that back seat for you to be the number one guy to go play with probably two of the most selfish players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about selfish in their approach to the game, just their approach outside of the game is selfish. You mm-hmm. know, not playing um you know, whatever you feel about being vaccinated. Uh, Kyrie is leaving his team out there. You know, he's hanging them out to dry. You know, mm-hmm. he can only play on road games. And they've lost, as of today, eight straight games. Yeah. I mean, it's a sinking ship. Yeah. I think James Harden is one when he, you know, he ain't going to listen to the band play while the ship's going down. No, so he's he, 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 Yeah, he, he, he's getting ready to get on his lifeboat <laughs> to Philly. <laughs> And right. I mean, I, I, that's just his mo. He mm-hmm. he sees the handwriting on the wall. Yeah, and uh, you know, maybe too. This is something to think about. Maybe James Harden knows that Kevin Durant is not healthy. Mm-hmm. See, you know, he's been out what 10, 11, 12 games now. We haven't heard any updates about his injury. Yeah, that's kind of how his uh, Achilles injury injury started. You know, it was just kind of like lower calf injury. See, when you're a guy, you're that thin and that frail. I, and I don't wish this on him. I wish he is great for the NBA. He's great for basketball because, like I said, he's a true hooper. That's what you, that's the kind of guy you want out there on your team. But, hey, man, those injuries, they, they catch up with you. Do you think if they're able to pull the trade off with – uh, and get Ben Simmons with that extend that championship window for Brooklyn. Even though I think it would be good for them, would it be good enough for them to get to a championship? No. No, think so. Mm-mm. No, I think I'm gonna be honest. He should have stayed in Golden State. He should have stayed and rehab with Golden State. I mean, you can't tell a man that he wanted to go win a championship on his own. Um, like other players have done before. Doesn't no matter how many championships he won, everybody the talk was that was a team that was already a dominant team before he came, right? Well, the, the, he he Stephen A. Smith said that you know something to that effect the other day, and uh, I think KD's response was that you know it was egregious or whatever. What's going to be egregious this year <laughs> is when they sitting at home in June. And Golden State, and win, Golden the State win the championship mm-hmm. with a bunch of young guys and some mm-hmm. some role players. I think that's really going to put a hurt on his legacy. Yeah, whoever wins the first championship between Steph and KD, you're gonna have to say that they won that that breakup. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, right, right, right. So with Kyrie, what do you think? happens with this um i would assume at some point these vaccine mandates are going to be lifted so whenever that is when that happens what what you think is going to be different for brooklyn well uh, and that may be next season i don't know because nobody knows right now or at least i don't anyway well championship windows are very small yeah and i think that's why philly is going to push to really get mb some help Embiid is not as young as some of these other mm-hmm. um, young players that we talk about. I think he came into the league at like 23 years old. So yeah. he's in his late 20s right now. So a championship window is very small, very slim. 
And, you know, I think they're just going to run out of time. KD's getting older every year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's spending a million dollars on his body like LeBron is. <laughs> so, um, that those championship windows are small. Yeah. And you have to maximize uh, the talent you have. You know, you have to do it. I mean, it's a win now. I think that's why those three guys came together because they all wanted to win right now. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at next season at best. So, All right. Well, moving on to our next topic for the night. Ferguson, uh, the Portland Trailblazers traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers. How do you feel about this trade? Uh, it's a great trade if you're the Clippers. <laughs> um, Portland is cleaning house, man. Yeah. And is that the first first sign? Yeah. Uh, the first domino to fall there. Yeah. And uh, don't be surprised if you see C.J. McCullough um, traded before the trade deadline. I think that's something to look at. And it's really – I'm going to ask you. I'm going to kind of throw a question at you. Okay. Is it time for Dane – to kind of put his loyalty aside and say, you know, y'all need to get me out of here. Yes. I think it's time <laughs> for him to go. Yeah. I think he's done all that he can do in Portland. He's been a warrior. It's been he's he's had an admirable run with Portland Trailblazers. And he's always came out and, and you know, always said that he wanted to try to win a championship with Portland and, and do it the old fashioned way. Do it the do it the right way as uh, some of the older players probably will look at it. But it just hasn't worked out. I mean, they've had some good runs in the playoffs, but they just haven't been good enough to get to that next tier, the next level to really compete for a championship. Ray McCullum, you know, a good, good player, not a superstar, but a, a, a good player on the team. I'm sure he could find good success playing, you know, with another team. Um Moving on from Norman Powell and Robert well, Covington. Well, before you move on from that, yeah, let me say this. Uh, and this is I just came. I just saw this pop across the screen. ESPN breaking news. I can see this happening too. Don't be surprised if you see a trade Dame Lillard for Ben Simmons. Mm. I, I think Philly wants to really pair Embiid up with a. Uh, a shooter, a shooter, score, a score facilitator, somebody mm-hmm. that can you know take some pressure off of him. Uh, with the development of Tyrese Maxey, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why they've been so slow with the because this guy's kind of developed right before our eyes. I mean, he's become a you know a, maybe a future all star. So this kid yeah. is developing, and you start to home run on that pick. Yeah, you starting to see some of his potential, mm-hmm. and now you're like, hey, well, we can. Take our time with the Ben Simmons thing. And then they're winning. Yeah. I mean, one of the top teams in the East. Well, Anthony Simmons has been playing really well for Portland, mm-hmm. you know, to this point. So that may be a, a, a good building chip to build around Anthony Simmons, blow the thing up. You got Anthony Simmons at the at the point. Um, right. If you were to bring in Ben Simmons, that would be a good young backcourt for them. And um and just kind of move on with a full rebuild. Now, you got Chauncey Billups there. You think Chauncey Billups would be the coach, the best coach to be there for a rebuild? I think he it would be the perfect coach for a it's rebuild. a teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, I mean, as a guard in the NBA, it's no better person that you can learn from than Chauncey Billups. My yeah. former finals MVP, Mr. Big Shot himself. 
Yeah. Um, very, he was one of the big pieces, instrumental pieces of those Detroit Pistons teams. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think he's definitely the right coach. He just hasn't had a healthy team this year. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely – do you feel like uh, – just kind of getting back to the trade for a second, just kind of moving on from, you know, Portland, but talking about the Clippers for a bit, do you see Powell and Covington almost being like a replacement for Kawhi and Paul George, a, a poor man's replacement, but you think it'd be – because speaking about Paul George may be out – for the rest of the year, if, if he needs to have that surgery. I think the MRI is coming up here in a couple of weeks, and if he needs to have a surgery, that'll do him for the year. And I think they came out and they said to Ty Lue said he didn't feel like Kawhi was going to play this year. So, mm-hmm. oh, think- well, that doesn't surprise me. Don't get me on a tangent <laughs> about that. Say so you go from a guy like Durant that his whole life is to play basketball, and you got a guy like Kawhi who's – his whole life is to not play basketball. How many games can I miss and still be qualified to be called a basketball player? Yeah. So uh, that doesn't surprise me. But no, I, I don't. I think that's just a good, solid pickup. I mean, yeah. You know, Covington's a good defender. I mean, he can hit the three ball. So um, I would have liked to see him in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to have seen him a whole lot of other places other than the Clippers, which I yeah. think. You know, if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a one-and-done first first round out. But, I mean, I think of some contenders that could have really used, um, especially Covington in particular. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just – it's unfortunate what's happening in L.A. Uh, <laughs> L.A. and the Lakers and the Clippers. But yeah. um, I, I do feel like the Lakers are going to turn it around and end up being a maybe a six-seed. But as far as I climb my way to six, yeah, that's they didn't look bad the other day against the Clippers. Actually, even though they lost the game, they to mm-hmm. me they it was they didn't it looked like they played a little bit better together. Well, they game. they looked good last night, um, mm-hmm. and you know, a comeback victory. They were down by like twenty points to the Knicks. I yeah. mean, it is the Knicks, mm-hmm. and they were at home. But yeah. um, still, I mean, it was a Russell Westbrook once again didn't play well. But they found a way to win without him playing well. And I think you're going to see that a lot more going forward. Malik Monk yeah. was awesome. You know, he, he, last year, yeah. Yeah, he played really well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that combination of Malik Monk, when he's out there with Anthony Davis and LeBron, I think he may he maybe can be that third or fourth score that they need because, you know, he had a lot of upside coming out of, out of college. So um, I think he can be that third or fourth score they need. Do you think – Monk can continue playing well when LeBron comes back. Well, I mean, LeBron was back last night. Oh, I mean, he played last night. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he had 29 points. Okay. Okay. I missed the game last yeah, night. Yeah, so he, he, he played really good last night. Okay. And, I mean, you just need a guy that can put the ball in the basket at this point. And Russ, right now, for whatever reason, is struggling. And again, uh, Frank Vogel. Um, he has a final way to maneuver minutes that puts Russ in an opti- optimal position to be successful. And, and it may not be him being out there with LeBron and AD. Because, mm-hmm. again, he becomes a jump shooter. Yep. And if you're not going to push the pace, one thing I saw in that game, in the first half, the Knicks played extremely fast, mm-hmm. which is atypical. Yeah. Of a Knicks team. Right, they don't right, score right. a lot of points. So they played really fast. And I said to myself, the Lakers are going to walk them down. 
because they're playing fast and that's kind of out of character. And eventually the percentages, they kind of just, you know, they, they, that, they're percentages for a reason. So, yeah. you know, RJ Barrett was hitting threes and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I said, those percentages are going to come down in the second half and the Lakers will have a chance to win. And they did. Okay. So today you had a, a trade today. You had Karis LeVert was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Ricky Rubio, and they had some picks thrown in there. How do you feel about that trade? Is Indiana getting ready to blow it up? Uh, there's another team that, you know, I, I talked about this on the last podcast that I really feel like Indiana um, has a lot of talent, has a lot of um, guys that can – I mean, they could probably make a deep playoff run next year mm-hmm. if they kept everybody together. But I get it. I mean, you know, sometimes you see something that isn't working. Uh, Karis LeVert, great young player. I think he's averaged about 18 points a game. Now, who wins this trade? We don't know long term. But right now, the Cavs are a much better team. With This trade says more about the Cavs to me than it does the Pacers. They're trying to go for it. Yeah, the Cavs are – they think that they have a legitimate shot to challenge some of these better teams in the Eastern Conference. So, Add a little bit more scoring punch. Yep. They, they're adding some scoring. Um, and he's a pretty good playmaker. So you put him with uh, a young Darius Garland. And don't forget, Colin Sexton has been hurt this entire season. Now, he was a you know great guard for them last year. So you, you got a trio of guards there in Cleveland with Jared Allen, uh, with Kevin Love coming off the bench. With the young rookie that's playing, you know, playing great. So, I mean, Cleveland is saying, hey, we're going for it this year. Yeah. Maybe not for a championship, but they're, they're, they're going to make some noise. They want to stay competitive. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, as far as the Pacers, I think, again, you know, we'll see in the next couple of days what they do. Do they still trade Miles Turner? Do they still trade uh, Sabonis? Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe they just blow it up. I just I don't see any reason why they wouldn't trade them if they're gonna trade Levert. It's, I mm-hmm. think it's just a matter of time before Sabonis and and uh, and Turner find a new home. It's just a matter of who they can get from. I think at this point. Now we talked about talked about it a little bit um, on our last podcast about Rick Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Is Rick Carlisle the right coach for a rebuilding situation if that's what they're doing in Indiana? It doesn't look like a retooling. It looks like a rebuild from from my perspective. Uh, any any uh, veteran coach like Rick Carlisle uh, can definitely be the coach of a rebuilding team, I, I think. I mean, I think he's had success everywhere he's gone. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't see any reason why. We've never seen him on a, in a rebuilding situation, though. He's already had always had a, a budding star or an established star everywhere he's been. Even with Luca, Luca came in. You know, shooting the lights out, he was on, you know, on fire. So, um, we never seen him in a rebuilding situation. Well, what I think is interesting about a lot of these teams now, and of course they look at a lot of analytics, but again, uh, a little plug to the eye test, mm-hmm. eye test podcast. We look at the game. I watch the games, and I, I'm going by what I see. Right. These teams. A reason why they're resting a lot of these players and they these guys stay on the injury list so long, they're evaluating talent. I was going to say because they're soft. Oh, yeah. They're, I'm, well, they're soft, too. 
Uh, you talking about Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he might not play next year. You, you tell him he didn't have to. I mean, he'll just keep collecting the check and not play. I mean, that's somebody that doesn't love the game. But what I see from a lot of these teams is that um, they're evaluating talent. Golden State does this a lot. Um, you know, I've seen the Pacers do this a lot. And a lot of these teams are doing this. They're sitting there, stars, and say, hey, we're willing to, you know, see what happens this game. I'm going to let our young – some teams are using a G League to do this. Or some teams are using the NBA to do this. Yeah. And I've seen this over and over again. It's kind of a new strategy that's, that I kind of like. I mean, if, you, if you're in Golden State's, if you if you're in Golden State seat and you're in that second spot and the next closest team is five games behind you or four and a half games behind you, yeah. why not play your young guys? Say, hey, Steph, Clay, um, Wiggins, we're gonna sit y'all down tonight. I'm gonna give Kaminga some run. I'm gonna give Jordan Poole the ball in his hands. Getting ready for that stretch run. You're developing your talent. Mm-hmm. You see this in baseball. Yeah, you see this in baseball all the time. Basketball is starting to follow that same format. So I wouldn't be so, you know, I've kind of changed my mindset toward the Pacers. They are cultivating that young talent they have. And they're saying, hey, we're going to kind of evaluate some talent. This season's a wash. I mean, we're not going to win a championship this year. So yeah. let's evaluate this talent, see who we want to build around, and see what direction we want to go in. All right. All right, sir. So. Moving on to our off-the-script segment for tonight. Our off-the-script segment this week is going to be about Brian Flores in the NFL. Brian Flores is a former NFL coach who last played for the Miami Dolphins. He was uh, let go after the season was over. Uh, Reportedly, there was a lot of friction in in the front office between Flores and the general manager and the owners about the direction of the team. Flores has has always been kind of wanting to move off of their quarterback tool type Lavoa and and bring in a more veteran quarterback. They were trying to make some trades throughout the season for Deshaun Watson reportedly, um, because he didn't believe in Tua. And I think the front office had a lot invested in Tua and they wanna, you know, try to see what they have in him. So I think that led to a, a breakup between Flores and the Dolphins. So, Brian Flores has now sued the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants for allegedly a pattern of racial hiring policies. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have anything on that? Well, I, I think the NFL um, historically has discriminated against African-American coaches. And, you know, uh, unlike the NBA, which the NBA has really made strides to bring minorities into these positions, and where 10, 15 years ago, that was a big issue in the NBA as well. You know, Mm -hmm. you didn't have a lot of African-American coaches. Um, Through the um, the David Stern era and now into the Adam Silver era, you've seen that kind of that trend changed. I think you told me before the podcast, which I did not realize this, but there are 14 African-American coaches mm-hmm. in um, the NBA. Yep. So, yeah, the NFL needs to follow suit. And only one in the NFL. Yeah, only one in the NFL. And he's been with them for about 15 years. All right. 
So um, that's a huge disparity. Mm -hmm. And I I think that the NFL is going to have to address some of these issues or you're going to see more lawsuits like this. Mm -hmm. And it's – it's definitely it's glaring that you can see this um, uh, going even back to Colin Kaepernick. You can see the way the two leagues um, look at social justice, mm-hmm. the way they look at racial discrimination, um, the way they look at systemic racism. So, I mean, it's typical of the NFL to me. Yeah. So. NFL more kind of like the good old boy league. Right. right. 32 teams, no black owners, right. one black head coach. The New York Giants, who is uh, one of the teams that Brian Flores is suing, been in operation for 97 years and never had a black head coach. Mm. Um, a lot of some of the the, the issue with, with that was with Brian Flores, the reason why he was suing the Giants was that allegedly Bill Belichick accidentally sent a text message to Brian Flores congratulating him on the, you know, getting the head coaching position with the Giants, mm-hmm. whereas Flores had not even interviewed for the job as of yet. It was said that evidently Bill Belichick was trying to send a message to Brian Dayball, the um, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills and uh, a former member of Bill Belichick's staff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that message was sent accidentally to Brian Flores even before Flores had an interview with the Giants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're saying that, you know, these guys knew behind the scenes that they were not going to hire Brian Flores no matter the outcome of the interview. It was just a sham interview to adhere to the Rooney Rule, which the Rooney Rule is that every NFL team has to hire two minority, excuse me, has to interview two minority candidates for their head coaching position. Mm-hmm. When this league, when this rule wasn't stated in 2003, there were six black NFL coaches. Now, 14, what is it, 18 years later, 2003, 18 years later, there's only one. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if that, that Rooney rule was working very well. No, uh, definitely not. And, again, I mean, I think it's... Uh, you see other leagues being a little bit more progressive. The NFL is a little is always 10, 15 years behind everybody else. So um, that's just something that may never change. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, hey, kudos to Brian Flores for for even taking this on and and bringing light to this and making everybody aware of these practices. Now, in the now although he is still in the running for uh, a couple of NFL jobs that he's interviewed for, by him taking this stance, he may have effectively ended his coaching career. He he may not get another head coaching job because of this stance and suing, you know, the league. Um, so, you know, it's a tremendous – position that Brian Flores has put himself in. Yeah. But I guess he felt like somebody needed to needed to step out there and speak about what is going on in the NFL, what's going on with these teams and their hiring practices. Obviously with no head coaches, something is going on. Now you do have some coordinators, you got some GMs and 
in a few different places. And a couple of coordinators have been hired, black coordinators, and a couple of GMs have been hired this offseason. But still, with only one black head coach, uh, it, it's definitely trending in the wrong way right. for the NFL. Yeah. All right, so moving on to our final topic for tonight, we're going to talk about the NBA All-Star snubs. With the All-Star weekend approaching soon, we're going to talk about um, my snub for the NBA All-Star was Melo, not getting, not getting selected to the All-Star team out of Charlotte. And he's been, you know, he's been playing and having a great year, averaging about 19.7 rebounds, 7 assists. I feel like he should have made the all-star team. Now, I know you said you didn't feel like he, he should have made the team, but um, I feel like somebody out of Charlotte, him or who's the other guy you said was playing? Uh, was, Bridges. Bridges, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mikael Bridges. Well, I, yeah, I mean, Melo should definitely be an all-star. I mean, if you look at the Western Conference, and I know you don't want me to talk about this because I'll go on a tangent, but, <laughs> I mean, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, again, is an all-star. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of by default because I I don't know if the NBA has a certain number a quota that you got to have for big men, but um, it should be at least one on the team. Yeah, I mean, well, you got uh, Jokic. I mean, that's yeah. good enough. True. And Draymond can play a little power forward center. So, um, I mean, but one can say the same thing about Draymond looking at his numbers. But again, uh, shameless plug to the eye test. If you look at the games, you would know that. Um, Draymond is probably a top 10 MVP candidate, I would say, uh, before the injury. So, um, his effect on the game is not, cannot be measured by stats. I mean, he does a lot of intangibles. And so, again, the all-star snub, yeah, Melo should be on there. Somebody from Charlotte should be on there because mm-hmm. Charlotte has been a really big story, big surprise team this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of those guys maturing and having another season together to kind of, you know, develop into the players that they have become. Who else you feel was a snub for the All-Star team? I mean, you could say Anthony Edwards, but, I mean, his team is toward the bottom of the Western Conference. I think he's going to be a star. Yeah. I mean, not, not only in the sense of, you know, the game itself, but I think he has a lot of charisma. Mm-hmm. I've seen him do a lot of interviews, and he's very entertaining. Um, likes to joke around a lot. I think he'll be a media favorite. Doesn't mind answering questions. Real witty. Yeah. So I think he's a budding star in this league. Okay. Um, I feel like Jared Allen should have got you know, oh, yeah. the opportunity. Jared Allen's been playing really well for Cleveland. I know they have um, one player already on the All-Star team, but they're top five in the Eastern Conference. I wouldn't disagree with all if Jared Allen had made the All-Star team. Have they named the alternate for Kevin Garnett yet? No. Okay, so, so maybe. Yeah, maybe he'll. Maybe he'll get, get in on that. Um, I think he definitely, between him and Melo, I think you know, yeah. one of them definitely should have been on the team. Right. All right, sir. Um, that is the final topic for today. We're going to, in fashion, in the Black History Month segment with a Black History quote for this month. Um, This quote will come from Carter G. Woodson, who was highlighted in our Black History segment at the start, who uh, created Black History Month. Um, If the Negroes are to remain forever removed from the producing atmosphere, 
and the present discrimination continues, there will be nothing left for them to do. Ferguson, how do you feel about that? Ah, I mean, that's a powerful quote. I mean, um, I mean, obviously, he lived in a different era, mm-hmm. time, than we do now, uh, where African Americans were discriminated against. Of course, you had the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s, and um, to me, that quote says to me that you have to, as as I think Malcolm said one time, you have to stand for something. Or he said, a man that stands for nothing will fall for anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with the Flores situation, we, we have to make a stand. Yeah, You have to be willing to make a stand. And sometimes you will have to put um, your legacy on the line. Uh, you might have to put your livelihood on the line, uh, a la Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you know, it, it basically cost him his job. But the legacy you leave behind for doing that, uh, you, you improve conditions for players, coaches, um, athletes, uh, and people in general. I mean, we have to make a stand. We have to stand for something. Yeah. And I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, I stand for what's right. Um, and I, I will stand behind anybody that is going to do that as well. So, you know, I stand with Brian Flores. And I think that's a great quote from Carter G. Woodson. Yes, sir. Um, I, I do as well. I think it's um, it's very indicative of some of the trending things that are going on today. And crazy, you know, all these years later, you know, we're still having these issues with discrimination and and these type of topics. You would, you would think that we would have moved on past some of this by now, but obviously we haven't. Um, this is the world we live in right now. So, um, I hate to see Brian Flores put himself out there and potentially, you know, threaten his career because he's a, he's a really good coach. He had, you know, he's had some success in the NFL. Um, and you know, anytime you've got a black coach that's, that's had success in the NFL, potentially not, you know, put himself in a position not to get another head coaching job. I think it just ultimately hurts the league in the long run. But he felt like that's what he needed to do, and and I understand it. And you know, we stand by him and support. And uh, hopefully, he gets another job. Hopefully, that uh, we can move on from this and see some more black coaching opportunities come up in the league. Hopefully, some black ownership in the league. Still, no black owners in the NFL. Um, so, hopefully, change comes from this. All right, sir. Uh, that'll be it for today. Um, that was our final topic for today. Thank you guys for choosing the eye test. I'm Kevin Lee. That's J.L. Ferguson, and we'll see you guys again next week. All right. See you guys. All right.